Well, Memorial Day has come and gone. Tomorrow, matter of fact, is June 1st. We just showed you the NL East standings. You don't need me to tell you this, but I'm going to tell you anyway. The NL East is over. That's right. It's a wrap. No one is touching the Mets. Tweet me the hate all you want about the jinx. Nonsense. The Mets will be National League Eastern Division champs, and I don't even think the Braves are going to challenge them. The Phils, please, you've seen them. I won't even mention the other two teams. No one else is 500. What are you worried about, Mets fans? The West Coast trip? Yeah, okay. The Mets are only going to get better, and even if the Braves do turn around, it will be too late. The NL East is over. What the hell is that? Stone on air coming up. Completely unsanctioned by the church. Stone on air. Whatever, let's just do this. Stone on air. That's exactly what I wanted to hear. Give human beings opportunity, and you'll be absolutely shocked with what people do with it. Stone on air. I uh, just got to love those loud mouth New Yorkers. That was audio from about a month and five days ago. And the lead is now two and a half in the NL East. And that's depending on how the game goes. As I hit record right now, the Reds and Mets are in extra innings. If the Mets were to happen to lose that, it would be one and a half games. It's over. It's over. Hey, I'm Brian. This is Stone On Air Podcast. Thanks for finding it. It is July 7th, 2022, Thursday, the midweek, midweek-ish download destination for thousands in the city of Chattanooga and surrounding areas. If you're looking for anything online that I produce and distribute, Stone On Air, all one word. If you search that out, that's what you'll find. You start screwing with that and putting spaces in between and other things, you're going to find some kind of, I don't know, some Middle Eastern, uh, like, mosque or something. <laughs> like, some kind of, like, uh, religious, like, rock or something. I don't, I don't, I don't remember. Uh, so just put it all together, all one word, Stone on Air, and you will find everything, including all social media. So it is the 4th of July that would never end, except for maybe, maybe it has finally ended, at least here in East Ridge, as this is late night or late evening, 10 plus o'clock at night on Wednesday the 6th, and I haven't heard any fireworks going off in the area. Uh, that was not the case yesterday. I still heard plenty that would have been the fifth, and then clearly the fourth was bananas, and then Sunday and Saturday and Friday. I guess this happens every year, meaning this much firework activity. I uh, just really don't understand the obsession with fireworks. I get it to a certain degree. I mean, they are neat. I you know I get it. Explosions in the sky. It's pretty cool. Uh, it was a lot cooler when we only did it a couple of times a year. Now we shoot fireworks off at every damn holiday, it would appear. Memorial Day fireworks are flying off. Hell, I'm sure Labor Day people will be shooting off fireworks. I, the obsession with it drives me kind of batty. Every Friday night at Lookouts and Braves, you got more of the same damn fireworks. They sell out those games every time. The obsession is bizarre to me. But I haven't heard any tonight. And so, I don't know, because it fell on a weekend and then a traditional Monday day off holiday... It was Friday and Saturday and Sunday and Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday, or not Wednesday, thankfully. I'm sure there's still some popping across the uh, the the southeast all over the country, for that matter. And I did go to a family-friendly, put-together by people my age, with most of them running around with kids now, a little party. I just showed up at the end. It's a long story as to why boring as well, so I won't tell it. But to see some fireworks... And I mean, the guy whose property I went to, he is kind of a go big or go home guy. So I figured it'd probably be pretty impressive. I'm totally guessing. I'm totally making a guess, especially on, you know, inflated prices in every industry, whether it has anything to do with the buzz terminology that is chain supply shortages and all this stuff. But I'm just going to guess that this was a minimum of $2,000 worth of fireworks. And I bet I'm I'm shortchanging that. I bet it was more. I bet he had three, four, five different guys go in with him on this. And I just, you know, I, I get that even less. 
You go to the, the event that shoots the fireworks and you have fun. That's cool. I get that a little bit more than let's spend insane money to do it ourselves other than I do get the look at how badass I am. I'm the guy who throws the cool party. I'm the guy who, you know, cooks on the grill. I'm the guy who, you know, has got everything you need kind of kind of culture. I'm very familiar with that. But uh, I enjoyed it for a few minutes, but I am very much ready for it to be over. And what I really noticed a lot on social media, um, I, I realized how much I hate kids even more. <laughs> I'm looking at everybody's social media posts, Instagram and Facebook primarily. And most of these people are my friends, as I've talked about recently. I've weeded out, my, especially my Facebook feed, to people I actually just want to be there. And it doesn't mean I like all of them. It doesn't mean that I agree with all of them. It just means that I'm actually friends with you, and I do kind of care a little bit what's going on in your life. Like, I mean, my index finger and my thumb are like a centimeter apart. I care that much. And I see all these kids, and I see all this stuff, and all I look at is, this looks awful. <laughs> like, this party would have been so much better if not for all these dumb kids. And uh, I, I wish I could understand. I wish I could have that parental uh, heart, that feeling that, that gets the joy out of this, because I, I, it's, it's not fabricated. It's real. These people are in love with their, you know, their lives and their families and, and celebrating the 4th of July to me. And just based on some of the comments and just it's just I me, mean, parents just turn into the, the most boring, dull people ever. They they're amnesiacs. They can't remember what it's like to be a child. I actually feel like I understand being a child better than any parents ever do because I remember being one. And I've gone on and on about that over the years, and I won't do it again. But the thing I did notice a lot, though, is this is, this is another American indicator, just like Halloween is. New Year's Eve can be one of these days. Uh, what else? There's a couple more of them uh, throughout, the, throughout the year that really expose the creativeless, the uniqueless, the uninspiring types and I mean, you see all this red, white, and blue gear. I, you know, I, that's fine. But what I noticed more than anything this year was the America stuff, right? Spelled with either an E or a U. America, America. And I'm seeing it more and more. And I'm just wondering, I was like, are you, are you blind to what that whole thing is? The America? Uh, there's a guy I used to work, I work with, his name is Jason, and he's kind of one of those, you know, falls into this, you know, southern kind of simpleton kind of guy, and we used to call him, and I guess sometimes we maybe still do, but probably not as much when we were younger, Jason, hey, well, I wonder what Jason thinks, and that's, that's an insult, the America, America, we're, we're, you're being made fun of for being a dullard simpleton dummy head. <laughs> to put it as as kindly and as and as simply and as juvenile as I can, and I'm seeing more and more of the gear that says the the joke. I I can't tell if they're just like f you. I'm gonna you know celebrate the you know we, what you think is fun. I I don't know. I don't I don't understand where the what what the point is. And maybe I'm 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 thinking too much, and no one's really thinking about it. They just think it's funny. I don't know. But I thought when we referred to America as America, we were talking about how dumb and backwoods we are, and I guess based on recent events and this not-to-be-trusted Supreme Court uh, for the rest of my life anyway uh, would prove that I guess we are, and seems like we're embracing it, which is kind of sucks. Uh, long open there here. I will say uh, quickly that... Um, I am going to still do occasionally politics because really I was I had no idea what to do for today's show. But I've decided if I'm ever going to do politics on this show, it will be the final segment of the show. So you can know that there will be, you know, there'll, I'll, there'll be some jabs. There'll be a few things here with the audio that I play and stuff like that. But doing like a real deep dive, you know, uh, commentary is not something I'm going to do. Unless I do it in the very final segment. So there, there, that way you know you at least have two-thirds of the show free of those kinds of things. And I was talking to myself, thinking, you know, as I'm trying to put together what I'm going to do, I could have done an hour or part two on both segments last year, the second and third segment, based last year, last week, on the stadium here locally and the Supreme Court uh, uh, overturning of Roe. 
And I thought, well, you know, I'm light on stuff to go with. So I'm going to have a more calmer, settled down little follow-ups in the final segment of the show. So you've been warned. Now, the middle segment, college football is flipped upside down. And it is a little bit of I told you so moment I'm going to give you here. And a very much so be careful what you wish for kind of approach. And um, I'll uh, stretch, stretch, stretch out on that for, you know, 15 to 20 minutes or so in the middle of the segment. Here on the front end, not much more really to get to here. Just a couple of quick mentions. I'll get you the coolest thing, the worth hearing thing. And the worst idea coming up here in just less than five minutes, four, four or five minutes from um, right now. I did stumble around as I was looking for things to talk about, and I saw, um, I read a bunch of, uh, I can't remember what website it is now, Econ- I can't remember now, but uh, it, it looked pretty reputable and it, it had a lot of good information. And I read some very eye-opening stuff on oil production. And... Uh, because it's still to this day, I get very confused with how this whole industry works. And it opened my eyes to a lot of it and made me realize, oh, that's how some of this works. And I still can't describe to you or tell you regurgitate it in any way. But it makes a lot more sense than it did to me before today. Yet I still can't uh, repeat it because I'm just a dumb guy. Uh, so I saw this thing and I, I almost got hooked. I almost got hooked. I saw it on Twitter. It was uh, a template, you know, it looked like it came from the true social network that uh, I guess Trump started. And it had this thing, uh, like a post that would be on Twitter, but except on truth social and also go out through the email blast, which somehow I am regrettably on and I just haven't got around to trying to get out of my, it's in my spam, you know, junk Yahoo email. I have 54,000 unread emails, so I don't really care what comes in there. But it was designed like one of those. And apparently Joe Rogan said he's not a Trump supporter or something like that. And this this post was like a screenshot of a typical Trump posted, worded, very uh, oddly about how Joe Rogan's the worst and all this other stuff. And it was written so similarly, sim- similarly sorry, to the way Trump's rhetoric is, I thought it was real at first. And I thought, oh, i got to read that. That's just, that's just hysterical, I guess, is the word. Or just another just nonsensical post. And then I quickly said, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Don't be that guy. Check this thing out. It won't take long. And I went to Truth Social. Like, you can go to Twitter without being signed up and look at tweets. So I thought, hopefully, you could do that same thing with this Truth Social thing. No, you got to be signed up. And so I thought, okay, I'll sign up, and then I'll go look through his feed and find out if this is real. And then it got, so I started registering, and it got to where it said, now enter your phone number. And I said, hell no. If you think there's any chance I'm giving these psycho sociopaths, lunatic, crazy, whack asses my phone number, you're crazy. So I closed it out, went along, did a quick Google search. And uh, again, I always forget what it is. Is it Snoops or Snopes? Snopes, I think it is. That the fact checking website, it was the first thing that popped up. It's not real. Somebody made it up. And it was retweeted thousands of times, commented on thousands of times, and almost none of them were saying fake. Some of them did, but not that many of them. And uh, I just thought that was uh, just, it almost got me. It, it almost got me. And I, I, I'm glad that I, I was able to catch myself because I got a little worked up because I thought, oh, this is going to be hilarious. But, um, yeah, just slow down online. Slow down on the toxic waste dump that is most social medias. So that pretty much covers most everything that I was going to get to. Again, just not really much to discuss. The liquor store in East Ridge is officially open. The first of the two. Notice that today, after I went to the liquor store in Ultawa because I knew they carried the brand that I want, and I'm having trouble with that in some places because of supply shortages but it's pretty cool after, what, 100 and some odd years of being an incorporated actual city in the state of Tennessee? East Ridge decides that they're going to let grown-ups buy alcohol. Wow, isn't that an amazing uh, turn of events? So let's jump to the audio I have for you here. The first one is the best one, the coolest thing. It is pretty short. It is, quote-unquote, modern-day radio country song. This is how you write, record, and play a modern day country radio song. Today's coolest thing. You just play the 
Then you talk about girls and life and love And you brag about getting drunk Then you sing a little bit lower here So we know the end of the chorus is coming on Then you hang on this note That's how you write a country song A modern day radio country song You gotta repeat it then you end on this snow right here. That's it. So true. It's so <laughs> pathetically, awfully, but awesomely uh, true. Country music is so, so for the Murica types. The Murica's love them some of that same old garbage over and over and over and over again. This is another little musical thing that I'm not even going to say, and it is political, um, but I just thought it was... It, Sounded neat, and I wanted to do two musical things in a row. I wanted to do three, but I couldn't find a third. I'm not saying I agree with this, and you got to listen kind of closely, but a little rap uh, involving local uh, headlines uh, recently, and I'll call it today's worth hearing thing as soon as I find it on my stack. There it is. It's a history lesson, bitches. Let's do this. Here's a true story of how racist pricks reshaped American politics. In the 70s, Carter told the Southern Baptists to desegregate religious Texans status so to keep their religious freedom protected, evangelicals had to get Reagan elected. They needed a wedge issue to promote to mobilize the evangelical vote. Since Jesus and racism aren't exactly compatible, they came up with a plan that the masses found palatable. Reverse their previous abortion stance, said vote GOP, or you'll have blood on your hands. The movement works, so they're sticking with it. Also helps with that shortage of domestic white infants, so thanks to racist evangelical males, we're all living I think it's really easy and very lazy and simple to refer to America now as the hands made tale, but there's a certain level of uh, cringeworthy nature to that, Uh, and I've seen that show, never read the book, but I don't know how to read, but I uh, (laughs) I don't know if it's on an audiobook, but I've seen that show and I don't want to watch that show anymore for obvious reasons. Now, this is also from a political stance, but it is from if we can't all, as 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 uh, rational, logical-minded people, either hosting this show or listening to this show, if we can't all mostly agree with this, then um, we're probably not very compatible, and I'm not sure why you're here to begin with. This is today's worst idea. It's a little bit longer than the other two, a little over 60 seconds. Uh, this is the worst but truest realist idea the double standards being employed by both sides of the political spectrum is blowing my fucking mind right now i truly do not understand how anybody at this point can say oh yeah i'm a republican i'm a democrat and think that they're like in the right it blows my mind that republicans are trying so hard to criminalize abortion but are so adamant about not criminalizing gun ownership because that won't stop anybody like how can you Apply that concept to one thing but not the other. It blows my mind how Democrats can be screaming my body, my choice over the abortion rights, but not apply that same concept to the vaccine mandates. It blows my mind that so many Republican candidates and legislators make their whole platform God and guns. Like, in what universe did you marry those two things up? It blows my mind that Democrats, who are the party who continuously claims that they believe in science, will then refuse to define what is a woman and will instead base that entire definition on what an individual's feelings about it are. Like, you are all nuts. Like, if you placed yourself squarely on one of those political ends, like if you say, I am a proud Republican or I am a proud Democrat, how can you be trusted? You can't be trusted. That person cannot be trusted at all. Period. End of story. End of verse. Not possible can't be trusted and that's why a majority of this entire country cannot be trusted all the politicians themselves cannot be trusted and the supreme goddamn court of the united states of america cannot be trusted sorry wasn't planning on putting a little emotion into the final tail end of this segment but that's where it went and i appreciate your patience gonna take a break be right back college football careful what you wish for and i to a certain degree told you so Doesn't mean it's necessarily going to be bad for everybody, but it might be for plenty. I'll talk about that coming up next. More of Stone on Air coming up. I'll go ahead and make sure you get another copy of that memo. At stoneonair.com. 
issue and the problem with name, image, and likeness is coaches trying to create an advantage for themselves I went out and said, okay, how could we use this to our advantage? They created what's called a collective. Right? A collective is an outside marketing agency uh, that's not tied to the university, that's funded by alumni from the university. And they give this collective millions of dollars. And that marketing agency then funnels it to the players. Right, and the coach actually knows how much money's in the collective, so he knows how much he can promise every player. That's not what name, image, and likeness was supposed to be. That's what it's become, and that's the problem in college athletics right now. And now every player is saying, well, what am I going to get? Well, my philosophy is my job is to create a platform for our players to create value for themselves and their future by becoming better people, uh, by graduating from school and developing a career off the field, and by seeing if they can develop a career on the field and play at the next level in the NFL. We got to install microwave ovens, custom kitchen. I just did a random search for cover songs of money for nothing. Stumbled on this. I don't even remember who it is. The problem with what Nick Saban just said there is at least one portion of it is, is that's not what NIL was supposed to be. The collectives, the outsiders who, you know, which are basically just boosters and alumni who create this kind of fund uh, of investors that are going to end up giving money to these kids for whatever reason after they've committed, supposedly. When he says, well, that's not what NIL was supposed to be. That's the problem. There never was any kind of distinguished understanding of what NIL was going to be. It was just a here goes the Supreme Court rulings. The, 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 the damn Supreme Court. I don't in this ruling. I'd have to read about it again to remember. I don't think I disagree with it. I don't care about it. Um, should kids be able to make money off their name, image, and likeness? Yeah, absolutely. I think so for sure. Uh, I'll come back to the whole paying the players and where it used to be as far as a talking point to where it is now. Here in just a minute. But yeah, it was just thrown out there as a as a as a as a court decision. With there's no governing body in the in college football, so there's there's just all of a sudden now this. Well, the court has made it unconstitutional for you not to be able to somehow um, uh, uh, get revenue, make this you know, monetize your name, image, and likeness, and so it just all of a sudden just everybody started making up their own rules, and that's. Kind of the similar decision here recently with Roe is that every, all the states are just scrambling to quickly just start making up all their own rules and 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 that again I won't I won't marry the two in, in, in a comparison kind of thing, but this deal with college football is a mess. It is an absolute mess, and it it grows a bigger monster every single day. Um, before I go too much further, and it might give me another little. Uh, 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 thought starter and uh, conversation point because I don't know exactly where I'm going on this on all of it. This is from I was just watching a, a PTI last night. As soon as I got done getting the show uh, production done, I was like, "Oh, I got to grab that and add it late." This is uh, about a minute of uh, PTI with Tony and Mike on ESPN uh, yesterday. Because right now in the United States of America, there are only two meaningful football conferences: there's the SEC and there's the Big Ten. And I would tell you one other thing, Mike. I would tell you that right now, the only two teams that matter as to where they're going to end up that are not yet in the SEC or the Big Ten are Notre Dame and Clemson. That's the list, kids. Yeah. That's all there yeah. is. Nothing else matters. Yeah. And I agree with you. There's going to be a 40 or 50 team conference. Yeah, there's geographically separated yeah. Top eight teams to the playoffs, national champion. This is the end of the NCAA. Yes, it is. There are well, no that's rules. Good. That's a good There's thing. nothing. That was the uh, the best point of, of that minute-long audio clip. It's the end of the NCAA. Um, at some point, somebody has to step up and say, there has to be a governing body over this sport or it's going to get completely chaotic. The problem is, is that I don't think there's any one person or one just small group of people who are brave enough or you know believe enough that what decision they're going to make is going to be best for them um, 
compensation-wise, dollars and cents-wise. That's all this is about. It's not about education. It's not about children, kids, learning, growing. It's not about any of that stuff. It's only about money. That is all. Can we make more? And now in, you know, well, always been capitalistic America, it's almost like it's against the law to not try to make more money. Like if you're not trying to get bigger and make more money, no matter how many rules you got to cut or how many how, how many people you got to screw over or how many institutions you got to blow up, if you're not trying to make more money, then you're bad, you're wrong, you're doing it wrong. And, you know, that, that's kind of just the way it feels to me. So they're going to do all these things. And it's going to continue to get more and more convoluted. Uh, the original argument, the debates that would be taking place on radio and pod podcasts and blogs and all that was, do you pay the players? And I always had the the opinion, I've done it many times on the old talk station, on the sports show, on the Let's Talk Money show, that, of course, you don't pay the players when you're looking at it from the institution's viewpoint. You, it would it would bankrupt the entire system. There's not enough money to pay players when you also have to factor in Title IX and pay all the women and all the swimmers and all the track and field. You can't could, you couldn't just pay men football players, boys playing football in college. You couldn't just pay them. It would be a trickle down effect that would be economically ruin would ruin uh, college football as we know it and you're paying you only pay people for their value and most players on most college teams the rowing team the kayaking team the fencing team just name them, most of those players don't offer any real value the only value they really truly bring is the massively undervalued at this point in most people's mind free high-end college education it, that is the value, which, again, is just not pay, it's, it's not appreciated like I believe that it should be. But anyway, that's not what this is about. You know, I, I never thought of it back in the day. And clearly nobody else ever did either, or at least not on a mainstream, talking heads uh, shows and blogs and writers' opinions and, and, and public uh, publications. You didn't read about this. Oh, well, what about this version of, of this? Well, because it took a Supreme Court case to get that to be a reality. So, yeah, the kids should absolutely. If they can get money for their name, their image, their likeness, I mean, it's that's the most American thing in America. So, absolutely. But if you don't have any kind of governing over this, you don't have any kind of contracts, any kind of... Uh, uh, manifesto of the league you don't have uh, it's, it's just the wild freaking west and I, this isn't a, a unique opinion to me lots of people understand this and understood this from the from the jump but now all these schools are just looking around thinking we don't have to do anything like the nfl the, the cardinals i don't know why i picked arizona the arizona cardinals can't decide that they just want to go play in the USFL or the XFL or, or Canada or, you know, they, they, it's not how that works. This is a very structured league with a commissioner and, and all that. And, and likely you, I'm not telling you anything you don't already know. Now we've just got these just schools all over the country that have uh, very high revenues from their football teams. But the problem is, is that a majority of them do not have high revenues with their football programs. Actually, quite the majority of them don't. So what you've done here, what's happened, is you we've created a minor league sport, a professional based minor league sport that will that funnels the NFL, which I think is going to damage the luster of college football. I think college football is stupid as hell. One of my favorite times of year are Saturdays in the South in the fall. I have a lot of fun. I love a good tailgate. I love seeing people. You know, argue, and I love to having the debate a little bit too of, about college football and the rankings and the bowls and the playoff and all that. I mean, I I I enjoy it, but I think it's stupid as hell. It's a bunch of children playing football, dumbass kids, barely old enough to drive, drink, and smoke, and anything else. You know, nowhere near uh, adults at any point at this point. So I think it's silly to get so worked up over this, but. I do understand being an alumni of these schools, supporting these, homecoming, um, financially supporting a lot of this, and it meaning a lot to you. Maybe your son's involved. It's a family tradition kind of thing. I get all that. 
and what, where I, why I get all that is because college football fans and Major League Baseball fans and just baseball fans in general share something in common, that the sports traditions mean something. They're very, very meaningful. And this is ripping up and destroying all the traditions of college football. This doesn't have anything to do with loyalty to a university. This doesn't have anything to do with a mascot, a cheerleader, uh, a hot toddy and uh, old miss, uh, you know, whatever, they're running through the T in Knoxville, all the things that people are so passionate about, the classic uniforms, the classic logos, the traditions, the pageantry of the whole thing. That's going to slip away. I'm af- I'm afraid to tell the, the general college football traditionalist, that's going to slip away. It's not gone yet, but it's going to. Money and um, and 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 the the professional nature of this are going to change. Why why do these kids even have to go to school? What is, what does that even have anything to? They don't have to get grades. They don't have to go to class. I mean, t- technically, they still quote unquote have to. But the NCAA is it's completely useless. They can do nothing to police this sport anymore. And they're already one of the most corrupt organizations in the history of organized sports, but maybe organized any business. And so this is a careful what you wish for, because you just might get it. And uh, I'm going to read a little bit from uh, uh, Mark Weedmer from the Times Free Press, what really jumped me off the page to do this segment today, what his kind of uh, hypothetical situation might be that sounds like it's closer to absolutely having happening than not uh, here in just a second. But I, I absolutely have been saying this for many years. It is an I told you so. If, if, if this is something that you've just kind of said, you know, the generalized football fans like, yeah, you got to pay the players. Well, once you do that, and especially if you don't have any kind of rules or regulations, your sport's not going to look like it used to look like. And I'll, uh, I'll just jump to that right now. This is uh, Weedmer. If all you care about is college football's halves, two 26 league teams are perfect. So the sport is headed for two super conferences. Uh, I'm just going to bounce around here a little bit. I've just got a few things highlighted. Non-TV ratings producers such as Wake Forest, TCU, Big 12's Rutgers, Big 10, uh, Big 10 Rutgers, Vanderbilt. There'll be grandfather clauses and they'll likely be in their uh, respective conferences. But and this is to his piece specifically. Uh, the television ratings and fear of losing ratings clout are what's driving the cannibalism nationwide. And those schools just mentioned do little, if anything, to boost conference Nielsen television and what is now going to be streaming numbers. Uh, The SEC is looking at adding, you know, Clemson, Duke, Florida, basically all of the ACC will likely happen in in this opinion of his. And and Paul Feinbaum was talking about it, uh, a sports college football uh, uh, talking head on TV. Big uh, 12 is talking about, uh, you know, everybody now, the question is, what is Notre Dame going to do? Syracuse, Pittsburgh, Oregon, Arizona, you know, all those teams, and creating two massive-sized conferences. And in this just hypothetical, a 26-team conference, two of them, each league has 13-team divisions, Everybody plays everybody else in the division, a perfect 12-game schedule. The division winners meet for the conference's title and an automatic bid to the national semifinals. And the and this is me talking, the, the playoff is going to be expanded to next eight and then likely 16. That's not my opinion. That's what's going to happen. Why? Because that's more inventory, that's more money, and like I said, it's like it's illegal to not try to make more money. Careful what you wish for. 16-team plant. I mean, this sounds a little bit familiar to a league we already watch. Just with lesser talented players, lesser qualified players to be on a, on a high level of sporting competition. Sounds a little bit like minor league football to me, doesn't it to you? He goes on to talk about some other stuff about how the playoff might come together. I don't care about any of that. Uh, all of this is a mess. It will but all but cripple FCS programs like the University of Chattanooga. 
if it happens, since it will eliminate the sort of guarantee games that will add a half million or more to see to the uh, the fragile budgets of these types of schools. It will similarly hurt true mid-major programs such as MTSU, ABU, uh, Charlotte, Georgia State. Let the, the, the list goes on and on. A lot of those programs are struggling to succeed financially in their current climate. Take away even the slightest hope of reaching the playoffs, and the notion we don't matter becomes even more pronounced in a sport that already has three-quarters of the teams already don't matter from the grand scheme of the uh, you know the airplane aerial view three-quarters of the teams don't don't matter and they only rely on the traditions the pageantry and the the money games that they're able to uh schedule with these powerhouses just to get their teeth kicked in to make a little extra money there's not going to be room in these schedules to put those kinds of games in there anymore you're also going to start losing a lot of your traditional matchups georgia florida the swamp every year will that still be a thing i would say probably not tennessee alabama every year will that still be be a thing georgia georgia tech clemson uh south carolina Florida, Florida State, Arizona, Arizona State, Ole Miss, Mississippi, blah, 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 on and on and on. Will these things continue to happen, and how much does it matter? It matters a lot to a lot of people here in the South. I don't know how much it matters to people in Arizona, but that's not going to hold up, not not the traditional sense of it. Does that matter to me? Hell no, I don't care. I don't care if Georgia and, and Florida never play a game again for the rest of their lives. It means nothing to me. It might actually balance out the power of the league, and it might become a better product for somebody like me who just likes to go to a party and, and enjoy people's company and, and in a cooler weather time of the year in the fall and watch some football on a Saturday. For me, it might be better. But for the traditionalists, I promise you it won't. And to finish off his uh, there's this opinion uh, piece here, this op-ed, uh, then, if it, then again, for those of us who already think it's too all too big and professional and completely out of whack from what college athletics should be, maybe this is the reckoning we've long needed. A final desperate call for priorities and perspective and sanity. Until then, however, we're left with four words from a Pac-12 source to CBSSports.com who said of today major college football climate, but using words that could increasingly be said of any leader in any walk of life beginning with Washington, D.C. down, quote-unquote, you can't trust anybody and ain't that the damn truth uh this is wild it's it's very interesting to follow and watch because it's something that has a lot of drama to it in a world that really nothing matters like it doesn't it doesn't matter like it doesn't matter even a little bit to me and to most people what happens with the college football landscape in these stupid, money-grubbing, greedy-ass colleges and their athletic departments that are out of control, the NCAA that's out of control. Uh, I think it's funny more than anything else. I don't wish for the demise of college football, but I would laugh if I saw it happen. But I I don't think it will. I I think people still love football so much, and these names, these brand names, Alabama, Clemson, uh, Penn State, Ohio State, USC, UCLA, Oregon, I think all these these brand names mean something. They hold a lot of value, and I think it's just going to look different. And maybe young people will start eating it up. Maybe players will be motivated from a different angle to, to get more into the game because they know they can make money at an earlier age. Maybe this doesn't keep mamas and papas from letting their, their kids play football because that's been a major problem the last couple of uh, decades where the play on the field is eroding more and more every year. College football competition level is horrid it's terrible it's a bunch of amateurs that's why i was like how can you pay any of these players they all suck i mean like georgia or alabama or clemson or somebody at their top they've got like you know eight nine ten players that are really good and the rest of that of their team pretty much sucks go hang out and watch a game in murfreesboro watching mtsu play arkansas state bunch of hacks out there man and it's fine it's okay it's good i i I enjoy it but most people in the sports world obsess over it which again i'll always find to be uh kind of pathetic to be honest 
But all right, yeah, money for nothing and the chicks are for free. Let's see, a couple of things, mostly political-based, that I'll bounce around a little bit more on this stadium in the final segment of the show, coming up next. Now more Stone on Air. It's about to get all stupid up in here. StoneOnAir.com Hey, Twitter world, it's me, yours truly. Happy Sunday. <laughs> well, it's my Twitter site, so it's my opinion. Let's start with Roe versus Wade. Uh, I thought it was a horrible decision. I think women should have the right to decide uh, uh, what happens uh, with their bodies, especially in cases of rape and, um, and incest. I'm a little surprised that some of these alleged evangelical women who uh, have been speaking out against, you know, I guess abortion. Look, if you believe in God, you should know it's going to come down to whatever person and the Lord one day. So let's leave it up to him when that time comes. Uh, we all going to have to face him. Isn't that, isn't that rich? <laughs> That was O.J. Simpson, if you couldn't tell. Isn't that rich? We're all going to have to own up to God one of these days. <laughs> that dude, man, that dude is, is wins the award for biggest sociopath in the history of, of the world. Good to know what O.J. Simpson thinks about reproductive rights. So then I got into the looking at... Uh, just a random cover song for a song that almost fits the moment and uh, stumbled on Larkin Poe. Just doing this kind of version. Looks like just like in their living room. A fortunate son. Why? Lack of options, really, to be honest with you. That's the, the basic answer to that is lack of options. So first, a little bit on this stadium, just some follow-up and um, a, a piece, not a piece, but like a, a paragraph and a half from Steve Schmidt, used to be the campaign manager for John McCain. He's now a talking head, mostly on MSNBC, you know, very much a political actor, just like the rest of them, uh, very much a never-Trumper. He uh, he put, this this bait almost got me. It's on his four-pay I don't even remember what uh, site it's called, but it's basically just, you know, pay to read content kind of thing. And I almost did it, but it was 10 damn dollars. And I was like, I'm not giving Steve Schmidt 10 bucks to read something. I probably pretty much already know what he's going to say, but I'll get to that in a second. And this DeSantis, this dude DeSantis, man, he is a weird guy um, in Florida. This bill that he has signed into law again. Can you can they not go? Can they not go golfing? Can they not take a day off? Can they not have a vacation? Why do, why do we have to pass laws every day? Like, when is an, enough, like, hey, we don't need to pass any laws today. It's okay if we just don't pass laws today. Like, go home. Have dinner with your your wife and kids or something. So, anyway. Um, so, yeah, I felt like when I got done last week that I could have done two more segments on the stadium and the Supreme Court, and I I decided that I would do just that. And so come on, I'm just going to assume you listened to last week's show. These were responses via the Twitter exchange between me and several different people, uh, mostly very well-versed to everything going on um, with the, the new stadium development, or at least as much as anybody else could know without having any, uh, outside of maybe Weston Womp, having any more real resources or... or uh, sources other than just you know regular news outlets and uh let, let's say so um my res- this is what triggered west of to respond to me a couple days into july and the last show was on june 30th it says you are not over here it is over 30 years we have built two stadiums and now have a proposal for a third in downtown chattanooga in the same time frame we have closed two great public high schools in the vicinity of downtown and built none it's no mystery why public education is failing in the city. I responded with a quote tweet saying, you're not wrong, but to be fair, one of those stadiums was privately funded by Frank Burke. He responds back, stadium itself was privately funded, but Burke's, the Burks were given Kirkman's campus, an epic piece of property for free. Painful irony as some of 
the same people who wanted the lookouts there now are excited to tear down the stadium. For the love, can we think long-term on this this time? Christian North, I'll come back to those thoughts here in a minute. Christian North, former operations at AT&T Field and Finley Stadium. It's a complicated topic. Funding for a stadium that could increase investment and economic growth into a downtrodden area of town or invest in education. In an ideal situation, we should be investing in both. I would, I would have liked to see more investment from ownership of the lookouts. I'll, use, I'll take a line from Tim Kelly, Mayor Kelly. This doesn't have to be an either-or. It can be an and-also situation. We don't have to fund either or education or a stadium. We can fund this one and also fund another entity as well. Uh, let's see. Christians also goes on to say that stadium, along with the aquarium and Discovery Museum, helped revitalize downtown in the thriving area that it is today. It's possible the new baseball stadium could do that for the south side. To Weston's point, increased education, especially downtown, would benefit the area long term Weston's final thoughts here and then uh, I'll move away from this he goes on to talk about how the Knoxville uh, process for their stadium was much more transparent and uh, he would like to see some more investment from the actual owners of the team which I don't disagree with at all and then his final here quote uh, stadiums are cool and they always come with mega economic projections but economists agree that by comparison investments in public education will reap far more ROI return on investment Given Chattanooga's degraded state of public education, we would likely get an even more outsized return. And then the latest in the paper was, will this take away, it's a pretty lengthy piece, I'm not going to read it to you, but uh, just I'll summarize it. Uh, what does the new stadium plan mean for downtown Chattanooga's future? There are concerns. Many think South Broad growth will will drain the central city. Uh, it, it's pretty lengthy. And a lot of the typical questions with the typical kind of responses, would new development proposed in the South Broad District drain economic vi uh, vitality from uh, downtown Chattanooga? And yeah, I'm not going to read any of that. The answer is probably not. Uh, the riverfront has needed some issues, some, needed some uh, reworking for a while. And I know the, the River City Company has that process going. And them getting this this land back too. that's going back to when uh, Weston was talking about how they were given the land. The lookouts were given the land for free. Very, very uh, valuable and coveted property that they could do all kinds of things with. Likely it'll be a con condos or a hotel or who knows, but he's definitely not wrong about that, but that's what makes this more complicated. That's why the city almost has to be involved. The lookouts own the building. They own the big piece of tin aluminum foil, that junk of a stadium. They own that, and they own the team. They do not own the land in which that piece of junk sits on. The city does. So there's automatically going to be city involvement when when you're dealing with that. And really, it, it, well, the, the technical arrangements were... It was a dollar a year lease. That's how they got away with it, giving it to Frank Burke. And then, um, but the ownership is still the city of Chattanooga's. So that makes that a little bit more complicated. And then the, the other conversation coming in from a different angle had nothing to do with money was using Savannah as an example that the, um, whatever team they had there moved to South Carolina, and then now they have this independent league team, the Savannah Bananas. And <laughs> it's, I'm sure it's fun and I'm sure it's neat, but the, the, the thought was, well, hey, it doesn't really matter. If the lookouts leave, you know, look at Savannah. Now they have this wildly successful and, and a very profitable venture down there. And I saw this video of like this this table upside down that a player was like on it and they were rolling them across. I, you just have to see it. Pure silliness, pure nonsense. And I, I made a quote tweet saying, yeah, sure. Let's not spend tax money to keep a historically relevant and important uh, major league uh, uh, affiliated minor league team when we can have whatever this nonsense is. And so, yeah, I, I'll take the great rich history of Babe Ruth, Lou Gehrig, Willie Mays, Satchel Paige, the Negro Leagues, um, Joe Engel, and the affiliations with the Reds and the 
Dodgers and the Mariners and the Twins, just to name a few, over the last 40 years or so. I'll take that over the Savannah Bananas and their antics and their nonsense and they're bouncing up and down on their heads like the superstars or something. I'm sure that's fun. I'm sure it's neat. But I have a feeling I'm not going to have an autographed ball from Hall of Famers like Frank Thomas and Chipper Jones like I did when I was a kid at Ingle Stadium in 1990, whatever it was, two or three. I don't think any of that's going to happen at the Savannah Bananas game. So there's meaning in everything. There's nuance in everything. And there's... Um, you know, what's important to some people and what I think is important, rich baseball history is not important to others, but I will continue to fight at least my opinion and my voice for people to hear that this is a great idea, a great development. It's going to be wonderful for the city, for the makeover of that, co of that property and for the Chattanooga Lookouts. It is a little concerning that they're not putting in any money, but they are paying a million dollars rent for I don't I didn't see how long, but that's an obscene amount of money to pay in rent. I guess the counter could be, well, what if they leave after that? Surely there's something in this deal that pre uh, prevents them from being able to just up and move because they're tired of paying the rent. But then again, you never know with some numb nuts. So let's see. The Steve Schmidt thing here, it was the headline was it about a, uh, a Trump-Biden rematch. Call it a national catastrophe, not a rematch. American politics has be become a proving ground for the proposition that malice, incompetence, corruption, dishonesty, extremism, and weirdness are the rocket fuel for success. What were once disqualifying vices have become the golden gate to power, fame, and fortune within a broken society where conflict and contempt billion dollar industries i wish i came up with that paragraph that's exactly the definition or of an, or of, of an example of the political entertainment industry that's all this is at this point back to his little into this here there is little talk about the obligations and responsibilities of citizenship from local from, excuse me from political leaders who lack the imagination vision and conviction to break the country free from this dreadful moment. During the early months of Biden's presidency, the dutiful scribers who take sten stenography and trade tidbits of gossip in a commodities market of nonsense that is called political journalism were comparing Biden to FDR. And from that point, I would have to pay to read the rest of it, and I would love to know where the rest of that went, but... The overall general point, you know, we can all pretty much, I, I would think, can mostly agree with. Uh, I have some audio from voicemails from, what's his name, Kinzinger, out of, uh, I believe it's Illinois, Republican, who's very much a political actor as well, on the January 6th hearings, the Republican, the rhino, everybody hates. And I'm going to do that on the way out. What else did I want to do real quick? Oh, so DeSantis in Florida is now passing another bill. Public universities in Florida will be required to survey both faculty and students, on their political beliefs and viewpoints, with the institutions at risk of losing their funding if the responses are not satisfactory to the state's Republican-led legislator. Uh, the guy who's pushing this the most, the lobbyist, was talking with the Miami Herald. His name is Barney Bishop. Can't imagine that's not an old-ass rich white guy, Barney Bishop. One of the top lobbyists pushing the uh, bill he says he certainly hopes the effort will expand into the K-12 through system over time. Quote, I think the problem isn't just in higher education. The truth of the matter is the kids are being indoctrinated from an early age. He, want, he wants this to be implemented in K-12. through Yes, let's find out what the third grader thinks about ideological uh, issues in this country. You fucking psychos. These people are unhinged, and they're louder and, it, and, and are more powerful than ever. I am very much a kids should be seen and rarely heard from type. That's kind of my old school nature. Most of my millennial and Gen Z uh, friends or acquaintances would disagree with that quite a bit, I guess. But, hey, 
There's another one. Just another wacky, zany, no reason, no non, no real logical, rational reasoning for the legislation. Hopefully, we can we can take a poll or take a, uh, a survey to find out what fourth graders think about uh, Supreme Court decisions. Yeah, that's 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 really fixing things. And in uh, indoctrination, I, I I love it when these assholes start talking about oh the children are getting indoctrinated. That's what we do potentially better than any country in the world. That's all we do from the minute from the from the jump from the word go, starting right with the damn pledge of allegiance. I didn't even know what the words phrased together pledge allegiance mean. What's more indoctrinating than that? I'm going to pledge my allegiance to a piece of nylon fabric on the wall and my allegiance is to God and a country that I don't even understand what any of this is, what this even means. How more, much more indoctrinated can, can a child get? And yeah, you're going to be somewhat a product of your surroundings. So I get that, that keeping an eye on what kids are exposed to is a good idea. But if you really cared about that, you would start with, oh, I don't know, there are super mega computers in their hand that you're turning to lifelong addictions of pornography and violence and, uh, and, and just disgusting, wretched behavior from all over the world that most people are barely ever even acknowledging as a thing. Oh, I'm worried about what the kids see. Are you really? You sure about that? Yeah. Spare me, brah. Um, as far as the shooting in uh, in Chicago on the 4th of July, for about a minute and a half, I was like, oh, God, you kidding. All right, whatever. I mean, this Supreme Court, this off-the-rail Supreme Court's got me so concerned about other things, I don't even care about, about shootings anymore. I mean, because clearly... This this is just something we're gonna have to live with forever. I mean that, that that's where it is. That's where we're at. That's what's gonna happen, and so that concerns me. But not as much as this as the power of this uh, extreme out of control court. So, you know, I, I did a little thing I found online somewhere. Uh, the the greatest threat to America, and it was just like eh, racism, racism, greatest threat to America. You know what the greatest threat to America might be? The Supreme Court. The SCOTUS, as we would hashtag it on Twitter. And I'll wrap up the show with this audio. It's about two minutes long. This is this is terrible language. So uh, if that matters, you've been warned. This These are some of the psychos. These are some of the people that are your neighbors, that you interact with on social media, that you work with, that you're potentially standing next to at a grocery store. These people are much more prevalent than you realize. This is voicemails to Adam Kinzinger's office. The uh, what is he, congressman out of uh, 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 Chicago? Uh, it's it's disgusting. You son of a bitch! You gave two hundred dollars to that black bastard that killed Ashley Babbitt. I hope some somebody like him kills your nasty mom or your nasty wife. It's not a threat; it's a hope. Wrath of the Lord God Almighty come upon you, your health, your family, your home your livelihood, and and I pray, if it be God's will, that you suffer. Cock-sucking little bastard, we're going to get you. We know where you live. We're coming to your house. Going to get you, Mike, you little cock-sucking bastard. You're the biggest piece of shit politician in the world. Why don't you just fucking leave and go away and shut your fucking mouth, you piece of shit? Fuck you. You're a horrible, horrible, garbage fucking person. Fuck you, Americans of garbage. You knew that this threat that you got is nothing but a fraud. You did it, or... You're going to swing for fucking treason, you communist fuck. You have... Hey, you little cocksucker. Are you Les Cheney's fag hag? You two cocksucking little bitches. We're going to get you. Coming to your house, son. Gonna get you and Les Cheney. Gonna get you two little cocksuckers. <laughs> kick singer. I'm so glad you're leaving because you're a piece of shit. And there's my fucking message for you. You're a fucking Democratic operative and a fucking Obama dick suck. Fuck you. Fuck everything about you, you motherfucking asshole. Fuck you, you lousy Marxist traitor. You Pelosi cuck. 
You and Liz Cheney can both go to hell. Fuck you, you big baby. You rotten pile of dog shit. Fuck you, you asshole. Fuck you. That I is... hope you get terminal cancer, you motherfucking pig. <laughs> Fuck you, you pig. Shut up. That asshole. is... All right, God, is it over? That is uh, more of America than anybody would like to admit or believe. But uh, that's way more reality than it is the lunatic French. I 100,000 million trillion percent believe that. And these grown-ass adults are also raising piece-of-shit children to be just like them. So, yeah, indoctrination is actually something to be quite concerned about. And that's all I got. Appreciate you being here. We'll do it again next week. This has been the Stone on Air Podcast. See you later. Bye.